Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on financial independence. I'd like to bring on guests who hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest was a software engineer that originally tried day trading, then moved on to value investing, and then eventually moved on to trend following by using technical analysis. In this episode, we talk about his company, his strategy, and even dive into three stocks that have generated impressive returns over the last five years. Please welcome Zahir Anwari. Zahir, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? Yep, sure. So I guess just a normal background. I think one of the first things I'd like to sort of share with people is that I've never worked in the city. I've never worked for an institution or a hedge fund. I have a degree in software engineering, which I believe we have uh, something in common in terms of that sort of software engineering background. And it's really when I started earning money in my 20s, started saving a lot of money. I always had this sort of a desire to save money from a very early age. So from the mid-20s onwards, that's when I built up a bit of uh, capital behind me and I got the curiosity bug. You know, what's all this investing about? And I think really sort of 26, 27, that's when I started diving into the world of uh, first day trading, then value investing, but ultimately what I do now, which is trend following. Got it. Okay. Um, Let's just back up a little bit because I always like to know timelines and when you transition to doing this full time, how long have you had your business? Yeah, it's a good question. So when you say my business, are you talking specifically about sublimetrading.io? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's a good question. So I started investing for myself around 27, 28 And by the time I was in my early 30s, that's when I'd made enough money to sort of start scaling back on the full-time work that Mm. I was doing. And that's when I started mentoring. I was part of a couple of other communities initially where I was learning the trade in terms of building the ability to, to, to train people. And it was in 2018 that I set up Sublime Trading, went off of my own, my co-founder, Collar. We'd known each other for about 10 years at this point. We met in another trading community. I approached him and I said, look, you've got a set of skills. I've got a set of skills. We can do a better job than what is out there at the moment. Let's start our own academy. And that's how sublimetrading.i came about in January 2018. Gotcha. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the model? It's very educational focused with courses. Uh, Do you do coaching, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, it's based on a subscription model. So we have our starter course, which is called the Thunderbird. And then we've got our main course, our flagship course, if you like, which is called the Phoenix. And they're both just subscription models. So I mean, in in an ideal world, I wouldn't really have the Thunderbird. I'd like to just be able to focus on the Phoenix. But as you know, we're in a world where trust is a big part of the process. A lot of people have spent a lot of money on courses, lost a lot of money. And ultimately, by the time they find us, they are generally thousands of pounds down based on you know decisions that they've made in the past. So the Thunderbird comes in really nice as it's a nice, cheap starter course. Once the trust is there, then they tend to transition to the to the Phoenix, which is really where the, the magic happens. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about real quick here, because we'll tie back to the Thunderbird and Phoenix here in a second. But you went from day trading, then to value investing, then to 
trend following ticker. We're really focused on value investing long term, safe, buying safe businesses and really holding or buying more, but really essentially holding and buying more month over month, year over year. Why did you make the transition to trend following? Were you finding bigger returns? Is that why, why you made the transition? Yes, basically, yes. <laughs> Long and short of it is correct. So day trading, I would just advise everyone to just, you know, really be careful with day trading. It's sort of advertised as this sexy way to quick riches. You know, you will end up finding out that it's just, a, you know, it's a dark hole to losses. So you really want to try and avoid day trading. And I learned that really, really, really quickly. A lot of people tend to find that out five, 10 years down the line when they've lost a lot of money. And I've actually seen it go really, really, really bad. So be really careful with day trading. I really encourage people to be smart about their choices. One thing I'm good at is just making quick decisions. It's, you know, maybe a little bit impulsive at times, but if it doesn't work for me within a set period of time, I'm out. So I learned day trading wasn't the way forward for me. Plus also, I was working. I was working two or three jobs simultaneously. So the time element wasn't there. I didn't want to be glued to a screen all the time. So day trading didn't sit well for me. Value investing was interesting because I started reading about people like Warren Buffett, of course, you know, he's the god of value investing. So I just, again, I just didn't have the time to do the research. I found it quite time consuming for me personally. I was working sometimes 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. I had two jobs, three jobs, earning a lot of money, just not enough time. Hence why, partly why I started looking at investing as well, because I thought, how am I going to find that balance? Money's coming through. I haven't got the time. I need to find a balance. Read the moment that where it all sort of changed for me was when I read Way of the Turtle by mm-hmm. Curtis Faith. That was just eye-opening because it's a process where you use technical analysis and charts like a trader, but you hold your positions like an investor. And that's what made a lot of sense to me because technical analysis is pretty straightforward. It's just looking at charts and determining whether an asset is high probability or not. That's technical analysis. You can do that on the lower time frames where day trading comes in, but it's all over the place. When you look at the monthly, weekly, and daily, you're looking at the bigger picture. So you're, you're looking at it from an investing mindset. Then typically I hold positions for 12 to 18 months. So there's still that sort of investing element to it. And then 12 to 18 months is where trends start coming to an end, trends start moving from one sector to another sector. So rebalancing the portfolio will come in at around 12 to 18 months. And that sat really well for me initially, because what I understood is I can prepare at the weekend, take an hour or two, do my scanning, look for opportunities, Monday to Friday, manage my portfolio, which would take a few minutes a day. It just sat really well with the lifestyle that I had. And so, you know, trend following was just it was perfect for me for the lifestyle I had at the time. Sure. So you actually were able to devote more time to trend following than value investing. Is that correct? Yeah, for me, uh, that's what I just found easier. Maybe I at that time, I wasn't too aware of how to do value investing correctly. Maybe that was part of the process, okay. you, know, you know, learning all the numbers, the PE ratios, looking at this, looking at that. Whereas looking at the charts again maybe because i'm a visual individual person as well i like to look at mm-hmm. candlesticks i like i like to physically see what the price of an asset is doing that resonated with me really well and so i think i naturally gravitated uh, towards uh trend following 
Gotcha. Uh, our audience loves to dive into tactical strategies they can take right. away today. <laughs> yes. What I'd like yes. to do is let's dive into what are the trends you look for and have found to be successful? Yeah, fantastic. So if I can I break down my process sort of top down? Please? And then yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first, the first step that I do is I scan the market. So this requires good scanners. Now, you know, there are free scanners out there that you can start with and play around with. But as you get more serious into it, you, you know, you need the right tools for the trade, just like any career choice. If you want to deliver for your clients, you've got to have the right tools just to sort of put some context into that. One of the jobs that I was doing in my 20s was advertising photography. And we had clients like Coca-Cola, Audi, Whirlpool, you know, our images were on the side of buses. And so we needed a camera that would allow for those sort of giant images. So we had a Hasselblad. I don't know if people are familiar with Hasselblad, but Hasselblad are, you know, they're the godfathers of cameras. People tend to think it's Nikon or mm. Canon. It isn't. It's Hasselblad. Hasselblad were the first cameras to go to the moon. And the camera that we used in the studio was £60,000, so around probably $70,000. It's not a cheap camera, but we needed to invest in that to be able to take the images so we could get repeat clients and so on and so forth. So scanners are kind of, I view scanners in the same way. Scanners aren't cheap. You know, I pay several hundred pounds a month for my scanners, but because I pay for the scanners, it allows me to do a deep dive into the sectors. And then I find the strongest stocks in the in the most robust sectors. So that's the first step. So through that scanning process, I could go from, say, 15 to 20,000 stocks to maybe 300, 400 stocks that meet a particular criteria that I'm looking for. I then take those three to 400 stocks and I put them through a second screening stage, which is where technical analysis and the charts come in. So I'll manually go through three, 400 stocks. And based on the charts, I will pick out the five to 10 stocks that will eventually make it into my portfolio. And I do that process at the weekend. Now I have it down to maybe one or two hours. And because I've done that Monday to Friday, I manage my portfolio. Got it. So your time investment per week is about one to two hours, you would say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So let's back up a second here. The the TA, I want to just peel back the onion a little bit. Um, what are you looking for specifically when you, did you say you try to narrow down from three to 400 down to 15 to 20 stocks? Is that right? Yeah, I'd say about 15 to 20 stocks throughout the whole year make it into my portfolio. Okay. So it's more a case of quality rather than quantity. And then what we do is we, as you probably do with your value investing, is we compound. So our winning positions, we'll just keep, keep on mind. buying more. Exactly. So instead of having, say, four different stocks, I could have one stock with four positions. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a far simpler way of managing a portfolio. So what am I looking for? Well, the way for me to describe it is hopefully people will be able to come up to my LinkedIn once they come across my, this and listen to what we've got to say. On my LinkedIn, I share what I call the 4PS method, which means a four-phase sequence method. It's a term that I've created. So ultimately, what I'm looking for is a stock that is moving through four phases, and the fourth phase is where I enter. So phase one is basically a stock that's got a good history of performance. Microsoft, NVIDIA, uh, what else can we look at? Hershey is a stock that's not getting a lot of attention at the moment, but it's a powerhouse. McDonald's, you know, these are big stocks that have a proven history of performance. So that's phase one. Phase two is where I'm looking for a long period of consolidation. So that it will be my base. So typically I look for a consolidation of three to six months. The way I like to describe this is think of a consolidation as the roots of a tree. So the stronger the roots, the bigger and stronger the tree will grow. 
So if we have a long consolidation, we can consider that as a long found, a really strong foundation for the next trend to develop. So that's phase two, the consolidation. Phase three is the breakout. Now, phase three, we've got to be a little bit smarter here because phase three, we want to try and avoid fake breakouts. So a fake breakout is when it when a market looks when a stock looks like it's going to break out from a sideways market, gets all these buyers in, and then it reverses back into consolidation. Uh, you know, a bear trap, if you like. So we want to avoid the bear trap. So phase three is for a confirmed breakout. And so what I look for is maybe a second or third breakout from consolidation. So I avoid the first breakout, wait for the pullback. Next breakout is when I may enter. Or I wait for the pullback and the third breakout is when I enter. So I wait for a confirmation of the breakout from consolidation. And then phase four is when I enter. The start of phase four, that's when I start buying the stock. And that phase four is what could potentially last 12 to 18 months. Got it. Yeah. And thank you for breaking down your strategy there. I just want to kind of summarize for the audience. So phase one, you got good history of performance. Good. Phase two is a long period of consolidation, usually three to six months. Correct. Let's drill into that long period of consolidation. What does that mean? It just basically means a sideways market. So it's not trending. So, you know, a market does three things, right? Either goes up, which is a bull market. It goes down, which is a bear market, or it goes sideways, which is a consolidation. So phase two is what we're looking for is basically the stock has created a resistance and a support, and it's just bouncing between yes. the resistance and support over three to six months, even longer. And you know the expression, the longer the consolidation, the bigger the breakout? Mm-hmm. That's what we're ultimately looking for. We're looking for a long consolidation where when the asset breaks out from it, it's likely to move and trend over the next year to, to 18 months. Got it. Okay. All right. So that phase two, again, long period of consolidation or sideways movement, hitting that support and resistance. Correct. Um, And then phase three has got your breakout and you're not looking for that first breakout. You're looking for the second or the third. Spot on. Awesome. And that's where elemental patience comes in. You know, that's the important skill that's regularly overlooked. Patience is a virtue. The less you do, the more you'll make. Yeah. It is same thing in our strategy too, is people, they want to be busy and there's noise and there's effort. And it's like, no, 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 no. You want this working for you, not you working for it. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And then going back to phase four here is buying the stock. Correct. Good. And you, and that takes about when you go from again, roughly 15,000 stocks down to about three to 400 down to about 15 to 20. That takes about one to two hours of work per week. Correct. Got it. All right. This is good context. I wanted to just kind of rewind here, figure all this out and then go back to your courses. So you've got what we have here, the I'm going back to Thunderbird and the Phoenix. So give us a little more details on the differences between the two tiers. Great. Okay. Let's start with the Phoenix. So the Phoenix is the whole shebang. So ultimately, the Phoenix is broken down into a video syllabus where people start. Our whole process is clearly explained in about five to six hours. As you know, financial literacy is not high on the agenda of the schooling system. It's probably the same in the US as it's the same here. Agreed. (laughs) it's, It's not taught anywhere right? The schooling system is to go get a degree, get a job, work, you know, you can do amazing things. But when it comes to managing your money, you've got to go out and figure it out yourself. And you know, there's there's a lot of information out there, what's right, what's wrong, people got to figure that out. So with our five hour video syllabus, we basically say to people, hey, look, this is what's worked for us over the last 10 years. We break down the the whole technical analysis process from what makes a good chart, 
uh, starting with the scanning. So how to scan to what makes a good chart to ultimately extracting profit. Those are really the three things that you're looking at, right? How do you find the stock? What makes it so good? And once you've understood what makes it so good, how do you profit from it and safely? Yeah. So that's all understood in five hours. Then the next step is to find the assets. Now, again, here is where we help our community. Because we do the scanning, I've been doing the scanning for myself for the last 10 years. We do the scanning for our community members and then share it with them. So all the stocks that we find for my personal portfolio, I share that with my community members. So I'm saving them hundreds of pounds each on a monthly basis and a lot of time every single day trying to find these assets themselves, which is why CEOs tend to gravitate towards us because ultimately they're short of time. They've got family, they've got kids, all of that kind of stuff. But they've got the money. They just want better returns. And then the final step is we actually share our portfolio. So when we buy a stock, we tell people, hey, look, we've entered Microsoft, we've entered Meta or NVIDIA. Here's our entry point. Here's our stop loss. Here's our risk management. Copy it in your portfolio. And then we guide them through the management of that stock for 12 to 18 months. So it's the whole shebang from learning the process to finding the stocks to then actually copying our portfolio as well. So that's the Phoenix with the Thunder. And then there's all the other good stuff that goes with it. There's a community, there's live days of training, there's online webinars, you know, all, all the usual stuff. The tools that we've developed for technical analysis, we've developed a whole toolkit. We give that to our community members as well. So they get everything. With the Thunderbird, it's just basically everything minus the copy service. So you get the whole shebang. We give you the stocks, but the only part of that process that's missing is the copy service. So it's a great place for people to start learning the process, what makes a good stock, how to do your analysis, how to build a routine. The Thunderbird is a great place to start. But when it comes to copying the portfolio, that's where the Phoenix comes in. You you got to upgrade. Got it. You said copy service. Got so that means they can't see your portfolio or know like when are you buying, when are you selling, what are you buying. And what are you selling? Exactly. What we'll do is in the Thunderbird, so the 15,000 to three to 400 stocks, that mm-hmm. initial screen, we'll give them the three to 400 stocks in the Thunderbird. So they can go through that process themselves and start looking at a list of stocks and, and shortlisting the good stocks for themselves. And we help them through that process. Got it. All right. We like to know business models here. Price points yes. on Thunderbird in Phoenix. What are you charging? Yeah, great. So the Thunderbird's a really nice starting point. It's 150 uh, pounds, British pounds a month. Okay. Cancel anytime. The Phoenix, that's where the magic happens. That is 9,000 for the first year and then 1,500 per year renewal every year after that. Gotcha. Okay. And then can you share with us what are your average returns the last few years or just in general the last 10 years? Yeah, we average around 30%. Per annum over the last 10 years. That's excellent. Well done. Thank yeah. you. So as we were discussing offline, as yeah. you know, we've we've had a fund now incorporated in Luxembourg. And as part of having a fund incorporated, you've got to have an audited track record. So we've had the last few years of track record audited. So it's it's all legit. Right on. Okay. So let's let's dive into that. Um, and, and just to summarize here, you have your site, and I always like to give URLs, or I try to do my best to give URLs for our, our listeners, sublimetrading.io, sublimetrading.io. So people can go there, they can dive into your Thunderbird and Phoenix courses. Correct. And then you, you have, it sounds like, an investment fund yes. in Luxembourg. Okay, tell us about that. It sounds like it's not limited to 
any countries you can really take in anybody. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So people obviously come to us and say, hey, you know, we love what you're doing. We're not interested in education because not everyone has the time or the desire to learn, but they are obviously interested in the returns that we can get them. So we've decided to go down the route of an opportunity arose. I was actually invited to out to Dubai in March to do a presentation. And off the back of that presentation, I met a, a lovely gentleman called Bass who runs an asset management company called DHF Capital. He approached me, he said, look, I love what you guys are doing. We would like to onboard your strategy as part of our uh, fund um, offerings. We jumped on it. So that was incorporated last month in Luxembourg. And we are now putting the final touches to the prospectus and all that sort of good stuff. The fund itself is called Revacy, the Revacy Fund. And Revacy ultimately is the two words that we associate with what we're doing. Well, kind of what we've always done, even at Sublime Trading, which is revolution and legacy. So we feel that our approach is quite revolutionary and we want to help people create and leave a legacy for their loved ones. Because, you know, financial literacy is more high on the agenda. We put the two together and we came up with Revacy. And so the fund is called the Revacy Fund. Gotcha. This is interesting because I I give you a little context in my situation. So years back, I had to make a choice between do I want to create a wealth management firm? I'm based in the States, so I want to create it like a typical advisor firm and serve U.S. customers. Or do I want to create a tech company? And I always wanted to create a SaaS business, software as a service, highly scalable. We're already getting customers at this point from different countries. And I'm like, oh, shoot, like if I tried to incorporate an advisory firm, I'm going to be getting questions from customers outside the States like, hey, can you manage my money? And I didn't want to be saying no to a whole bunch of people. So I'm like, you know what? I love the education component. I love building the SaaS. I love tech. So that's the route I went. Never went, really never fully pursued the whole wealth management part. But with um, Luxembourg, give us an idea here. What are the rules here? Is this one of those countries where it sounds like it doesn't matter where you're located, you can still invest? Yeah, absolutely. So Luxembourg regulations carry a lot of weight. So if you go to places like Dubai, even the US, and you say, hey, I've got a fund, it's incorporated in Luxembourg, you know, that will, with, with high net worth individuals and family offices, for example, which is a space that we, you know, we want to get into. If you have a fund that has the Luxembourg regulations, it becomes attractive. So if you've got a track record plus the right regulations, you know, it's something that um, people will pay attention to. Gotcha. So and are you allowed to bring on really anybody or is this limited to your uh, accredited investors? So the minimum investment for the fund when you take it to this sort of level is 125,000 euros. Okay. So, you know, people have to be in the right position to invest financially into a fund of this size. Now, what's good about it, though, is that you can be onboarded into, there are different terms depending on where you are in the UK. I believe in the US, you call it SVBs. I'm just kind of getting familiar with the US term. Is that correct, SVB, where you can create groups of people? Oh, SPV. SPV, there you go. SPV. And so what that means is that if you go down the route of SPV, what that allows is, let's say, 10 investors with 25 with uh my mass has gone off so it's 125,000 is the minimum mm-hmm. investment 12,500 uh per person so you can come together 
group that together and then you can be onboarded as a group under this banner of SPB. So you can have an individual deposit the whole 125,000 euros or you sure. can have a group do it. Got it. S yeah, SP as soon as you said it's special purpose vehicle, Correct. which is that's the one. A, yes. It can be a like an investment mechanism. Um typically I've seen this more common with like taking companies public or in that process, you know, going from private to public. Right. Um, your entity structure, since it's Luxembourg, we're so used to corporations and LLCs here in the US. What is the structure of this company, Revacy? So, so like a private limited? Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's based on the share structure as well. So our investors will be released different class of shares depending on, I guess, the the partnership or the relationship that we've agreed on. Because, you know, different mm -hmm. different investors will have different benefits. For example, you know, if someone comes in and puts a million pound into the fund, they will be yep. released a different class of shares compared to someone who may be just putting in the minimum 125,000 uh, euros. Got it. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time-consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. If you ever considered investing on your own but you don't know where to start, I welcome you to check out Ticker. Ticker guides you through your investment journey by steering you towards safe investments and away from risky investments. There were two main reasons why I created Ticker. Number one, I wanted to remove emotions from investing. In other words, I wanted a software to make buying and selling decisions for me so I don't have to. And number two, I wanted to save time. Analyzing stocks can take hours, if not days, and I didn't want to spend all day looking at the computer. I have other hobbies in life I'd rather be enjoying. If you're interested, you can get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. And when you take the investments from your clients, are you only investing in public companies, but or do you also invest in private companies? So we focus on the New York Stock Exchange predominantly. Okay, yeah. got it. Good so, for you. Yeah. In terms of our fund, primary focus will be the New York, even, even though I'm based here in the UK, even on my personal portfolio, the New York Stock Exchange mm -hmm. is always my primary focus just because of the size of the market, the maturity of the market. It's a uh, second to none in terms of uh, opportunities on an annual basis. But then we've also got UK stocks because there are a few gems that come up every year and then also commodities and Forex as well. But Again, that's only very select times will we go into the commodities and currency markets is predominantly the New York Stock Exchange. Got it. Okay, that's good to know because I know I've run into hedge funds as well as investment banks that invest in private businesses. And that creates a bit of a risk because you can't always see the financial statements. Um, you don't know the history of the company. Um, there's not as much transparency there, but it's like you got to trust the hedge fund and they'll make your returns or right. they expect, right? In your yeah. case, you're going for only public companies, Correct. which is, I'd say, for five to 10 years of history. Good. Minimum. Yeah. Good to hear. Okay. And then do you have any, what kind of certifications or what kind of rules are you kind of um, protected by? Like, are you part of the SEC or FINRA, anything like that? Yeah, so we are a private limited uh, liability company and uh, registered in, in Luxembourg. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because I know some of our, our listeners are going to want to know the, the business structure. If they were to invest, they want to know like, hey, what kind of business am I giving my money to? And, and is it safe? I know Absolutely. not everything's guaranteed, but people, when they invest in 
whether it's a financial firm or a wealth management company here in the States, or even giving money to a broker, um, no matter like where that broker is in the world, they want to make sure their money is, is safe. They're not taking it, making not like what is it? Uh, FTX situation. Like, <laughs> hey, we're just going to hide a company <laughs> in the Bahamas and our money disappears. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. To just backtrack a little bit, the 30% returns are quite impressive. Most people I've talked to that have run wealth management practices or any kind of hedge fund, they actually don't get returns that high. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's people tend to sort of overlook the power of compound growth when you mm-hmm. select stocks that are outperforming the indices. And that's the key to the returns that we have achieved over the years. It's we look at the S&P 500 as our primary indicator of what the market is doing. So the S&P overall is bullish. And how do we do that? We simply use the 200 simple moving average. So if the S&P is above the 200 simple moving average on the daily and the weekly timeframes, we're in a bull market. If it's below the daily 200 and the weekly 200 SMA, we're in a bear market. And if there's a mixture above one and below the other, then we're in a sideways market. So the S&P has been trading above the daily 200 SMA and the weekly 200 SMA since February of this year. And that's when we started buying back into the stock market after, after last year's declines. So what we do is, but as part of our screening is we look for stocks that are performing better than the average. And by holding and compounding those returns, we, we you know, we've achieved some phenomenal returns. And, you know, again, I, people tend to overlook the power of compound growth. But once you understand it, once you embrace it, it's, it's mind blowing what you can achieve. Sure. Let's dive into a fun question here because yes. our customers or our listeners are going to want to know, what are you investing in with some of the recent stocks you've been uh, buying? So can you give us three that you recently bought? Absolutely. So one of these sectors that is performing really, really, really well at the moment is industrials. So a stock that people should check out, a couple of stocks that we have in the industrial sector that are performing really well is Hub, H-U-B-B. That's Hubble. H-U, the ticker symbol is H-U-B-B. The company itself is called Hubble, H-U-B-B-E-L-L. We entered that around $260. It's now trading at around $335. Okay. Another stock that is performing well for us is Paolo Alto Networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's P-A-N-W. Got it. And a third stock that people should look into is Quanta Services. Ticker symbol PWR, Quanta Services. And they've all met that four-phase sequence that I mentioned earlier. Performance history, period of consolidation, breakout from consolidation. And then when phase four was confirmed, that's when we started taking our positions. Got it. Okay. I always like asking this because then what I do is I punch these into ticker, let our listeners know what they look like. And actually, you know what? As I'm looking here, I'll share my screen. I know listeners here, uh, this is audio. So you have to go check out uh, ticker to see what these look like. But I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much explain what I'm looking at. Right. But anyway, this is always fun. So um, Hubble is a watch inside ticker. Um, doesn't mean it's bad, but uh, their score is 56 out of 100. Anything over 50 is good. Pretty strong financials. The issue here we see is the margin of safety. I'm just jumping over to the, and that's really driven by the EPS. So let's take a quick look at the financials tab, see what the EPS looks like. Relatively flat. It did jump up in the recent year, but let's go to quarters. 
Okay, some nice jumps it looks like in the recent quarter, then flat. That's why it's not a big margin of safety. Doesn't mean, again, horrible thing, but worth paying attention to. And this company here, just looking here, designs, manufactures, sells electrical, electronic products in the U.S., lighting controls, wiring, power utilities. It sounds like, there we go, we're looking at a screen here that's got like um, power grids. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right on. Hey, Warren Buffett style, boring businesses, definitely a necessity. But uh, looking, this is what's interesting is, you know, strong financials, but looking at the five-year returns, 195% over one year, the returns are 80%. Wow. Solid. Yeah. Really solid. Yeah. So, you know, I take this stance, just to add to this, I take this stance that a stock is simply a piece of paper and is worth what someone is willing to pay for it, regardless of our thoughts and our opinions and our analysis, if a stock is trending up and it continues to go up, that means there's buying power behind that. And that's a trend that you potentially want to get into. And the reverse is true. You know, if a stock is dropping in price, it's only likely to continue dropping until it confirms a reversal to the upside. So, you know, buying stocks that are on the way down, you know, if people land up in that land, uh, catching a falling knife scenario. Hence why I like to wait for that base breakout confirmation and then start buying into stocks just so that I'm on the right side of the market. We'll we'll jump over here to Palo Alto and Quanta in a moment. But we actually we with with Ticker and I really give the credit to Phil Town as we do like buying on sale stocks as they fall. That's a stockpiling as as he calls it and we okay. call it as well. That's where you make your biggest returns is those on sale stocks when the market really falls like 2000, late 2021, most of 2022. Yeah. Um, yes. Great buying opportunities because then your returns become really big. Absolutely. Prior to that, it was the what we call the COVID dip in 2020 is really March and uh, was it February, March, April? Yes. Great buying opportunity. It pulls everything down, but buy those on sale stocks because those stocks, those earnings reports come out, which significantly beat the estimates. And what happens is stocks, it's like a slingshot. They can just take off like a right. rocket. And you've got, for example, um, NVIDIA and Meta, really good mm -hmm. examples of that uh, from the recovery of last year, probably yes. driven by AI. Yeah, we're uh, just jumping here to NVIDIA, and then we'll jump to NVIDIA's the in my other portfolio two. as well. I got in, yeah, that, so really performing well. NVIDIA, you've got um, a watch. Margin of safety is invest. Just and I've looked at this recently, just because that EPS hasn't been growing significantly, but the score is eighty three out of one hundred, which is good. Can you elaborate on margin of safety? What you mean by that? Yeah, so that's the share price. Yeah, and the discount off the fair value. And the fair value here, you see, and this is a. Let's actually jump to. Hubble, we'll go back to Hubble, which share price is 335, fair value is 253. Yeah. That's what the price is expected to be in 10 years. Oh, so, okay. What we do is we calculate the EPS growth rate over the last five years, but we look at the quarters. So we're yeah. looking at quarter over quarter. And if it's going up, we use a compounded algorithm to qualify or quantify what it's going to be in 10 years. And if it's going down or flat, then of course it's going to be flat or down. In this case, it shows fair value in 10 years, 253. Probably not realistic because this company is uh, doing pretty well, but it's just the EPS as we looked at is relatively flat. Right, okay, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, let's jump to your second stock here. Palo Alto, I am familiar with. Their watch and ticker scores 50 out of 100. Margin of safety is also 0%. But 
And we can look at that EPS real quick again. We did break into the positive. We go year over year. It is. It was negative for a while, but it, it went from negative five point one eight five dollars and eighteen cents to negative point nine. So although it's still negative, that's a pretty significant improvement. So that yeah. is a good sign. Yeah. And then this is cool. This is a. You guys are something's working here with what you're doing because I'm looking at the returns. Five year returns two hundred fifty two percent. Yeah. One year return is 43%. So that's still really, really solid. Yeah. And then your third stock here is Quanta Services. That's at PWR. Also watch scores 56 out of 100 margin of safety, also 0%. So again, that EPS probably isn't growing significantly fast. But if we're looking here, the five-year returns 480%. Yeah. And then the one-year return, 52%. Yeah. So pretty solid. You got three yeah. three solid stocks here that have performed very, very well. Yeah. And we, and for context too, we, we always start with ticker, which is that math part of investing. But then we also use a, a strategy that really Warren Buffett has kind of used, but Phil Town has really made a framework out of it, which is the four M's. So we start with that margin of safety, quote unquote, which is all the math. Then we move on to the meaning moat and management. The meaning is the business model, the revenue streams, how does it make money? If you have more revenue streams, you have a more diversified business model. Think like your Microsofts or Googles are great examples. Then you have your moat, which is how does this stack up against the competition? Then you have the management. What is the track record of the CEO? And if you put all those together, we have a, a 4M checklist in our tool. You really reduce the risk of losing money and increase your risk of making money. So that's right. that's one difference from what, what you're doing. But either way, it's you do have a sound strategy based on the returns you're getting in these industrial stocks. Yeah. One of the key components we look for with stocks is stocks that are printing new all-time highs. So that when it breaks out of that consolidation and starts trending to the upside, it's not only trending, but it's printing new highs. So stocks that are printing new all-time highs tend to cover ground very quickly over the next 12 to 18 months before a, a correction tends to come in. So that's another key component, hence why those stocks sure. I've shared with you now have just moved so quickly. Sure. Well, to the listeners out there, if you're interested, you can definitely go check out sublimetrading.io is probably a good place to start. At the end, uh, I'll turn it over to you and let uh, or ask you where people can reach out to you. But what I'd like to do next is jump into the rapid fire round. Brilliant. <laughs> this is the part of the episode where we get to find out who's here really is. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right on. All right. So if you can, try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You okay. ready? Yes. All right. What is your favorite podcast? I like podcasts that I can learn something about the world in general. History is a big part of what I like to do, past and present. So I really like The Empire Files by uh, Abby Martin. I just jumped over to her YouTube channel, and she's got like 310,000 subscribers. She's an amazing lady. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of cool content there. All yes. right. You, you piqued my interest. Yes. Nice. Great. Yeah. All right. Next one here. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? I read The Spook Who Sat By The Door by Sam Greenlee, which was, uh, it was fascinating. It's a, a fictional story of Dan Freeman, the first black CIA officer, and ultimately his trainings involved with the, with the CIA. So a great book. Nice. Thanks for that recommendation. All right. Movie question. What is your favorite movie? Oh, 
I always find it difficult to answer this question because there's so much good stuff out there. But a, a movie which I like, which I think is just so beautiful, is House of Flying Daggers. Really? Okay, I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. It's kind of an it's, it's one of those new school martial arts movies. Okay, but it's just so beautifully filmed. It's it's from 2004. It's got Zhang Zhang Zi. I think that's how you pronounce uh, her yes. name. Uh, it's just it's just visually it's just a stunning masterpiece there's this one scene where she's dancing and she's got this traditional chinese outfit on but she has to she has to hit a drum and she's blindfolded it's just stunning people should watch it uh so for the listeners this is a lead actress that was also on crouching tiger hidden dragon i just jumped over to imdb absolute best website out there for an app for movies in my opinion <laughs> yes 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 exactly. so okay i'm i'm adding to my imd watch list as we speak good Thank recommendation you. cool all right we got a few business questions here uh first up what is the worst advice you ever received the worst advice i i, I would say just goes back to my early days of day trading when when i was encouraged to day trade and you know sit in front of the computer and make money and it hands down probably the worst uh, advice I've been given you know I think we've all sort of tried silly things such as pyramid schemes you know back in when mm-hmm. I was growing up pyramid schemes were kind of all the rage but in, in, I can sort of park that to one side I'd say I was young and stupid when I got involved in that kind of stuff but you know in my adult age when I was able to formulate my own thoughts in a logical way I'd say you know people who encouraged me to day trade was probably the worst bad advice, advice. yeah <laughs> Thanks for that transparency. Yeah, all right. <laughs> We've all done stupid things. Yeah, and I remember yeah. the days. Yeah, you're right. I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s. Pyramid schemes. Multi- oh, they were all the rage, right? Yeah. Your friend oh, yeah. come in and say, hey, I'm doing this. And you're like, yeah, look, get me involved. And, you know, I had one friend who walked me. It was in, in Kensington. And he walked me past intentionally, walked me past the Ferrari showroom. And so mm-hmm. by the time you turn up to the thing, you're so hyped up. You're like, yeah, I want to get involved. And you're just like, oh, my God. It's just, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I think it's still yep. nothing's changed. Right, exactly. All right, let's flip the equation here. What is the best advice you ever received? Stay true to yourself and just try. Got nothing to lose. You know, don't this. I can just go on. I mean, you know, I think the best advice I was given is just stay true to who you are. There's so much pressure out there to be someone different. Stay true. When I say different, I mean different to who you actually are, not different. You want to be different. You don't want to be like people out there. There's nothing wrong in being different. So stay true to who you are and, and, and your path will unravel. Yes, that's, that's great advice. And there's a lot of people that are not being themselves and try to be a version of themselves that is safe to other people. Exactly. Because um, they don't want to offend or uh, ruffle any feathers out there. It's like, no, you just got to lean into who you are and move forward. Safety in numbers. You know, if you go off on your own way, it's a very isolating journey. But what happens is that you have all of this empty space that allows for all of these new energies and relationships to come in. Me and you would never have connected if it weren't for this journey that I've been on. And it's, you know, it's been an absolute right. pleasure connecting with you. So, right. you know, be yourself, stay true to who you are and it will come good. Yes. Awesome. Great advice. All right. Last question. Here's the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? You know what? I think I'd just go back to just before I went started university because I think 
this is the thing. If it wasn't for university, I wouldn't be here today because I hated university so much with a passion. I was studying something that I had no interest in that because I went through that over four years, by the time I came out, I was determined to follow a path that I did want to create and enjoy and be true to. But if I could go back to just before university, I'd probably say to myself, look, if you're going to study something, make sure you have an interest in it. So, you know, I would have probably studied, I studied software engineering, but who knows, I would have studied maybe a language or psychology or, you know, something that I'm quite interested in, in today, history, you know, it probably wouldn't have been software engineering. Right on. All right. And where can the audience reach you? So our website is a great place to start, sublimetrading.io, but I'm really active on LinkedIn. I used to be a LinkedIn snob up until about... I think October or November of last year. And then I just committed to it. I took I took it upon myself to go, hey, listen, give LinkedIn a chance, post every day, comment, get to know people, see what's out there. And, you know, I've really taken to LinkedIn. It's been quite enjoyable. So if you are on LinkedIn, please search for my name, Zahir Anwari. Send me a friend request, send me a hello, say you listen to me on this podcast and, you know, let's connect. Awesome. Also here, thank you so much for your time. This is great. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. We'll see you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to. So thanks for spending some time with me. Also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya.